This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. But also, if you have uh, a job where your output is measurable, which is a lot of jobs, there's not a whole lot to talk about. You know, it's really, at that point, kind of an old school proposition to um, say, well, I need to see the person and I need to make sure they're sitting at their desk. You know, if you're a salesperson with a sales quota and you're hitting it, does anybody really care if you're in your pajamas? Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, where it's all about believing in and executing on different and innovative ways to strengthen both your leadership and communication skills to help increase your success and especially in today's disruptive business environment. One of the most effective ways of building stronger leadership and communication skills is by embracing the principles of improvisation. (laughs) Yes, that's right, improv. Your host, Peter Margaritas, is an improv virtuoso. He's also a certified speaking professional and a CPA, also known as the Accidental Accountant. Each episode of Change Your Mindset is designed to bring you different and innovative ideas, thoughts, and behavioral changes on a variety of differing topics, with the sole purpose of strengthening your critical soft skills. We may call them soft skills, but they are the hardest to master. And when we do, greater success and growth is the result. So jump in and start changing your mindset now. Let's start the show. Today, my guest is Chris Barber, who is the chief nerd at Cheaper Than a Geek IT Service Provider. They have demonstrated a history of providing award-winning support in the IT service industry. Cheaper Than a Geek helps small businesses save money with a smart managed IT service. As an industry leader, Cheaper Than a Geek has pioneered providing cutting-edge information technology services for even the smallest of businesses. They have perfected the art of even one-person companies getting enterprise-grade IT support like next-generation computer and network security, encrypted disaster recovery, and services to ensure maximum uptime and efficiency. And for full transparency, I am a client of Chris Barber and Cheaper Than a Geek. They are especially proud of the many, many customer service awards that they have earned by the commitment to client successes. Now, before we get to the interview, just a couple of housekeeping items. Off script, Mastering the Art of Business Improv is available for purchase on Amazon, in paperback, and in Kindle. If you'd like to learn more about the book, or better yet, order a copy, go to offscriptimprov.com and order your copy by just clicking the click to order button. If you'd like to buy 10 or more books, please contact me so I can offer you a bulk discount. You can reach me through my email at peter at PeterMargaritas.com. Remember to subscribe to this podcast and share this podcast episode with a friend. I'd greatly appreciate if you would leave a review of this show wherever you download your podcast from. And also, please visit my newly rebranded YouTube channel, Peter A. Margaritas, CSP, CPA, Biz Improv Virtuoso, where you can see previous podcast video episodes. 
And while you're there, just hit the subscribe button so you won't miss any updates. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, also known as The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a speaker that can bring powerful content, virtually or in person or on-site, that is memorable and engaging in a way that motivates and inspires your audience? Instead of data dumping and numbing with numbers, imagine your people and teams delivering a financial story to your stakeholders. A story that creates engaging and relationship-building business conversations. Would you be interested in learning more about how that is accomplished? How would you feel if the value your facilitator provided your organization far exceeded the dollar amount on their invoice? Peter Margaritas, CPA and Certified Speaking Professional, delivers all of the above and much, much more. All of Peter's programs can be done virtually, in person and on site at your location, or at an off site venue. Send Peter a note at peter at petermargaritas.com and or visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com to learn more about what Peter can bring to your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Now, let's get to the interview with Chris Barber. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is going to be an interesting episode because I've known this gentleman since 2016. I met him at a Better Business Bureau meeting in Baltimore, Maryland. He's one hilarious guy, great guy to work with. And his name is Chris Barber. And Chris, or um, or do you want to be referred to as Christopher in this episode? Oh, I'm a Chris all the way. <laughs> Are you a Peter or a Peter? I'm both. Just don't call me Petey. I'm not the dog from Little Rascals. <laughs> Little Rascals. <laughs> so you can say, you can tell that we have a good time. And Chris, first and foremost, one, thank you for taking time out of, I know you're a busy man. Uh, you're like, a, you're like a Super Bowl in a, in a very small room. You're bouncing all the time. Uh, but take your time out of your business to spend a little time with me on this podcast. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Happy to do it, man. I've been looking forward to this when I found out you were doing these interviews. And being my IT guy um, and thinking about the pandemic, what was the number one thing that you saw pop up that was a big challenge uh, that maybe you were a little bit unexpected about when we had to hunker all down at home? There was uh, actually, Pete, there were two things that really threw me off. So we're in Maryland and um, I'm not going to get political here, but our governor did a pretty good job with the COVID coronavirus response. Mm -hmm. But what that looked like was he shut us down rather quickly. So we had, uh, I don't know what it, uh, what it's like out there, but here we had one day's notice. So we were all told, you know, tomorrow, everybody works from home. Wow. So, um, you know, a lot of people ask like, wow, did you guys make a killing with the big work from home push? And um, the answer is no. Because everybody had to scramble so fast. Most of our clients didn't even call us. They just told their employees, uh, pick up your laptops, go home. You know, we'll we'll figure it out later. And, uh, you know, I was joking, if uh, Governor Hogan had uh, given everybody two weeks notice, which he couldn't have done, but had he done that, we would have cleaned up. (laughs) But he didn't do that. Everybody scattered and we... uh, 
unfortunately missed the boat on that revenue opportunity. <laughs> so um, a few folks later on uh, hit us up and said, hey, you know, we scramble to work from home. And uh, would you believe that it's just not working out very well? <laughs> could, could you, you know, clean this up for us? And of course we did. But um, yeah, it was weird. I never anticipated a phenomenon like that. Um, right. So that was one thing. And then the other thing was uh, cybersecurity tax went through the roof. It was, it was crazy. You know, we, uh, we handle security for quite a few operations and the targeted phishing attacks and the firewall attacks and the, just the malware in general skyrocketed. It was clear that the bad guys were convinced this COVID-19 thing was a revenue opportunity for them. And, um, you know, it, it made our job harder, but I suppose you could also say it made us a little more relevant too. So uh, I guess that was a good thing, but um, it was very surprising. The up to, I mean, there's always been an upward trend of that, but you know, in, depending on how you define the metrics, it was like a two or three fold increase just like that March of 2020. It was really crazy. So I, I would assume a lot of the, these attacks were going on larger organizations, but would they also happen on, on smaller, smaller ones as well? I mean, were they just. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So depending on what you're talking about, the uh, the effort level on the part of the bad guy is is really not any different large entity small entity it's it's pretty low barrier to entry if you will to launch a lot of these attacks so um, there is a uh, presumption uh, among a lot of these uh, bad guys where they um, the smaller entities are less fortified their security is lower maybe perhaps more gullible. They might not have formal training on what to look out for as far as like your email goes, stuff like that. So, you know, small businesses are constantly under attack and that's kind of the space that we play in. We, we specialize in the smaller, small businesses. So, um, you know, they need IT security just as good and, and just as badly as say a 5,000 seat entity, but they don't have the budget for that. And that's, that's kind of what we've always hung our hat on is that we, we cater to that aspect of the community. Well, being, being a client of yours and, and I've not been attacked, so I guess your security is keeping the bad guys away from me. And I greatly appreciate that. Heck yeah. um, um, and I'm suspicious of all emails and texts and stuff anymore that just don't, don't look right or, or feel right. Um, but I imagine that uh, that kind of that part of the business is that the attack slowed down as we've gotten deeper and deeper into the pandemic. Not really, not really. There, there wasn't any any additional crazy upticks, but they kind of went up and stayed up. So, not sure what that's all about. But um, it was important pre. It was important to have a good security posture pre pandemic, but yeah. it's even more important to have one now. <laughs> yeah, but prior to the pandemic, I got a call from the guy who developed my website there for years, and he goes, um, "Did you make a, a nasty joke about Putin and the Russians?" No, why? Well, apparently they're attacking your website. We've been able to keep them away. I went, what I, I don't, I don't mess with Putin. Not one bit. I don't mess with Putin. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> I wouldn't know. Not one, not one bit. Yeah, we walking down the streets of Worthington, Ohio, and somebody will put a, like a napkin up against my neck. And next thing you know, boom, there we go. No more margaritas. Uh, no more margaritas. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we've killed that inflammation, the margaritas. So uh, now that, I mean, eventually 
this will all come to an end. Eventually, we will be past this pandemic and vaccines will be out there. And there might still be a few, you know, some people wear masks. But what do you see as that, that next big challenge as we begin to navigate a way out of this pandemic and getting back to, I've read a few places that people want to kind of restore where we've been. I don't think we could do that. But what does that future look like? You know, it's hard to say. You know, owning a, being a business owner is like a, pretty difficult proposition in normal times. And now you've got this thing, and, you know, the short answer is nobody knows because we've never really gone through this before. But, um, you know, it's funny. I don't know if you've seen this, but it's, it's really polarizing. It seems like everybody is all for going back to the office or all for staying at home. I have not met anybody that's like, well, could go either way. I don't really care. You know, like everybody's got an opinion. So I'd been advocating for well over a decade before the pandemic that we should be seeing more work from home behavior. Um, the technology is certainly there. But also, if you have uh, a job where your output is measurable, which is a lot of jobs, there's not a whole lot to talk about. You know, it's really at that point kind of an old school proposition to um, say, well, I need to see the person and I need to make sure they're sitting at their desk. You know, if you're a salesperson with a sales quota and you're hitting it, does anybody really care if you're in your pajamas or if you only clocked in for four hours that day? I mean, if you're getting your job done, you're getting your job done. So I think some of this work from home shift is going to be permanent and probably for the betterment of everybody. But, uh, you know, and then, of course, you get the uh, the whole commercial real estate. Like, what's what's that going to do? You know, we were in the process of we, we run a, a commercial suite right now, but um, we were in the process of looking to buy something. And, you know, now you're like, hmm, do we wait and see what happens? You know, because it's just such a state of flux right now. But um, the security attacks, they're, they're real, you know, so we're, we're uh, throwing most of our uh, R&D behind staying ahead of these bad guys and keeping everybody safe. So where you're at right now, is that your corporate office or is that your, is that your home office? Ah, this is the home one. So I was going to say, if, if, if it has that feel more of a, of a home office, you've got your putting green behind you with a handful of golf balls and, 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 and your lightsabers and, 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 and the lightsabers, you know, um, <laughs> and, and all your conference, you know, uh, badges and stuff uh, mm -hmm. um, and, and that's funny you should mention that because um, that was one of my questions when the pandemic hit we, I, a lot of people are going to find out we're more productive at home than we were at the office and reduce that, that footprint that commercial yep. real estate footprint and some organizations well uh, let me ask you this question one of, one of the things that I thought about when the pandemic hits and we all had to go home and, and, and work how secure, and you're talking about how secure someone's network and, and they're picking up that cost. So were you able to, your clients say they have 10 employees, were you able to go in and help them get set up or when you had to go clean some stuff up where you're working with them directly one-on-one -on -one? Mm -hmm. or did the or, or owner say, we need, to, we need to pick up the cost and make sure that we've got this more of a permanent type of nature? Yeah, the, uh, for the most part, it was on the um, employer. What was interesting was, um, you know, so many things in IT and probably every business, but certainly IT, you know, if you say you want to make a secure environment, there's like 
a thousand ways you get there, you know, and a lot of mm -hmm. it comes down to, you know, the IT providers philosophy. We've always subscribed to the school of thought that you should take security down to the endpoint level. So basically the computer level. So, you know, you could do network level, you can go beyond the network level, but you could just, you could also just focus on the computer itself. And that's always been the primary way that we deliver security. And I was at a luncheon uh, a few years ago where they had the uh, cybersecurity director of the FBI for, uh, it's kind of weird how they loop them together, Maryland and Delaware. I don't know why they put those two together, but he was giving a talk to a whole bunch of IT providers and he, and he asked the room, he's like, you know, how many of you folks are focusing strictly on the, um, the endpoint level? And I was the only person to raise my hands and pointed me out. He said, that guy right there, he's doing it right. You know, we're the FBI, so here's why. So it's always been a good strategy. So what ended up happening, Pete, is when everybody started working from home, for the most part, the security they had in place, that's all they needed, you know, which I couldn't tell you that we had that kind of a crystal ball and we knew that everybody's going to work from home, but, you know. <laughs> It, it scaled well, you know what I right. mean? So in certain circumstances, we had to ramp up the security a little bit, but um, for the most part, I mean, it just worked. And it's funny what you were saying about the commercial real estate, you know, I'm broadcasting you live from my own house. Mm -hmm. um, before the pandemic, I took a, a business development class at Johns Hopkins that was, um, gosh, I guess it was about three months and it involved being out of the office one sometimes two full days a week, which is a big ask for a business owner. Yeah. And um, I was talking with somebody who graduated from the program and she said, because she was missing in action every Thursday, that when she went, um, when she graduated from the program, she owned a, uh, or owns a restaurant in Fells Point in Baltimore. She said, um, I just started working from home on Thursdays. The staff was used to me not being there and I got so much work done. And I'm like, oh man, that's brilliant. I'm going to do that. So pre-pandemic, right before the pandemic, I started working from home on Thursdays and I only could pull it off about every other week. You know, things kept getting in the way. I kept getting dragged into meetings where like there were just so many people I couldn't ask them to reschedule it. Um, and then the pandemic hit and I was like, all right, well, you know, like a lot of businesses, we were considered essential. So we were open. The office was open, but we weren't having folks, you know, other folks come in. And I wanted to keep every staff member in their own room. I felt like that was a kind of a safer way to spread mm -hmm. it out a little bit. But that involved, we have some folks that are already working from home, but that involved me working from home all the time. And, you know, suddenly I went from maybe one day every other week to five, six days a week without fail. And um, it's it was just, it's weird, man. You know, the first thing that hit me, I don't know if this happened to you, but I didn't realize how much time I spent in the car. So when we got locked down, I'm like, dude, I just got two to three hours a day back by not driving. I'm like, wow, I was driving all the time. You know, that's crazy. That's crazy. You know, all these hours just suddenly fell into my lap. It was great. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 well, I've been working at that time. I was working from home for, for a number of years. So when it hit, I just I, I didn't even flinch, except the, the, on my side of it was I had two new full time FTEs in my house my wife and son, and um, they really weren't worth a damn. Uh, I tried to put them on warning, tried to fire them, tried to do everything. It's like, nope, couldn't do it. They wouldn't listen to me. The only, only two that would listen to me were the two dogs. They were part-time. So, uh, 
<laughs> that was that was my, but but I'm I'm you know but I during the pandemic and everything I got real claustrophobic. And I got a buddy who, who had some space. He said, look, I've been talking about, you know, subletting the space, you want to, you want to give it a try? And I said, yeah. And, and, and they're at first going, I'm driving to work. This is so cool. Woo! I'm in traffic again. I forgot what this was like. It was short-lived. It was short-lived, <laughs> but, but it's like, it was just like the opposite effect. Uh, but then, then as I, I started coming down here more and more, I went, okay, the human interaction still is is critical uh, to some degree. Just that you know, this is interaction, but that face to face, no screen behind a computer or anything like that. It it just it, it was fun again. It, it was absolutely fun again because I remember when I took you know, moved my office, moving to the office at home, I was done with you know this day in day out grind. So there's there's, there's always some type of balance that's out there. Um, as we begin to wrap up, I do have an interesting question that just popped into my head because I was looking at your LinkedIn profile and you've been in business for 22 years. So you must have started when you were 10. Oh, man, you're awesome, Pete. <laughs> I was 12. <laughs> and and um, did you just start on your own or did you have a couple of people at the time? I uh, started off on my own. Did I ever tell you the, the origin story? No. I'll give you the fast version. So I, I used to be an auto theft investigator. And that That's was very, used to do auto thefts. <laughs> yeah, that was way more fun. <laughs> so um, long story short, I felt like, uh, you know, the technology was going to uh, evolve in a way where uh, that industry was going to kind of sort of disappear, which is largely what's happened. Mm-hmm. So um, I was plotting a new career change and uh, decided to build a computer and see if IT was the answer for me. And ended up having to engage with a computer uh, repair place and discovered that this industry is just chock full of terrible, terrible, god-awful customer service. So I was like, wow, if I start an IT company with good customer service that focuses on the client, wow, that would be like a key differentiator. So that's how it all got started at my uh, girlfriend at the time's dining room. And, um, you know, the rest is history. So 22 years in business uh, as of a few weeks ago. And um, we've uh, won more awards for our customer service in all the IT companies in the area. There's uh, 1,637 of them. So that's what we get excited about. So you start off by yourself. How many employees do you have now? I like to say we're a huge organization. There's seven of us. Seven of us. Including me. That's still still seven seven mouths and seven families. So... Mm -hmm. Thinking, what would you do different back then than if you knew what you knew now? Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's always such a good question. I um, Owning a business is not for the faint of heart. You know, <laughs> it's like doing a, a high wire act with no net, you know, and it, it's scary. And if you make the wrong mistake, sign the wrong contract, you might not have a house anymore. You know, it's, <laughs> it's crazy, the, the risk. So I've always been very, very cautious and very conservative because um, I don't want to lose my house or, you know, I don't right. want to be in a situation where I can't feed the kids. But um, looking back, I think it was a little too cautious because that could be that could stifle your growth as well. So it's about it's a balancing act. I think if I could find a younger Chris, I'd be like, take chances, man. You're on to something. <laughs> yeah, take take some take some risks, but you know, like you said, you're cheaper than a geek, and you're the chief geek. 
Mm -hmm. um, and, and those professions that are typically more technical in nature uh, tend to be more risk adverse. That's a good point. Yeah. Account accountants. Yeah, um, that's even, even, even in their own businesses. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I think I, I kind of fall in that same thing. I love taking risks, but I think when I first started this business, I didn't take enough risks. Yeah. And, and oh, now I'm, I'm, now, now I'm trying to take more and I'm going, okay, well, it's, you know, I, I, I fail a lot, but it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. And that yeah. was the key. That was the key. That's the lesson I keep learning. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. And geez, I probably should have done that years ago. You know, every time, every time I make a big decision, I'm like, well, that worked out and I should have done that years ago. <laughs> yes, absolutely. The, 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 the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> well, buddy, I, I appreciate your time. I know you're busy. Um, and, and I will be getting up back into the Baltimore area, hopefully soon. Uh, actually, maybe even, uh, next week. And if I do get up that way, let's go meet at a restaurant and have a adult beverage or 30 or seven or just a couple. That's what Uber is for. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. Thank you for having me, man. I want to thank Chris for sharing his knowledge and vision on the importance of having an IT service provider as part of your team. It's critical. And also remember, there are those people who prefer to say yes, and there are people who prefer to say no. Those who say yes are rewarded by the adventures that they have. And those who say no are rewarded by the safety they attain. Be a yes person. Thank you all for listening. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.